Hello, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of April 28th, 2014. This is episode 229, and I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We're the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. With me today are Jackie Olson, account manager with Interval, and Adam Meyer, principal at Interval. We got a lot of announcements. We're at the forum this week. We're not sure when this is going up. Um, we recorded a little bit later than we normally do. So, uh, probably by the time this is up, though, we will be at the forum in Orlando, Forum for Healthcare Strategists. Uh, all kinds of good stuff going on Wednesday, branding at the bar. If you're there, make sure you join us. Find us at the reception beforehand for information on exactly where it's at. Or Jackie, do you know exactly where it's at right now? I do. I was just going to add that. We are in the St. Andrew's room, which I believe is right near all the conference happenings. So as soon as you walk out of the, what is that, the opening reception and exhibit deal, then... You just walk right down the way, and there we are. There we are. Come on in for food, for drinks, for trivia fun, and for a chance to win one of four free iPod minis. Mm-hmm. iPod minis or iPad minis? iPad minis. So an iPod mini would be cool. I don't think there is such a thing. There's, an, there's a Nano sure. and a Shuffle, yeah. but there, there's no iPod Mini. There's no iPod. There's a Nano and Shuffle, and there's the one from Saturday Night Live where it's so small it's invisible. <laughs> The Pequeño. <laughs> is that what they called it? <laughs> I think so. We're giving away an oh, shuffle Mini. That's funny. <laughs> Which is redundant. Okay. And what else? Oh, I'll be doing a workshop on the new consumer healthcare marketing paradigm. That's Friday. I don't know what time it is. Look at the calendar. I think it's it's later, <laughs> like noon or, or 10 a.m. or something. So hopefully yeah. you'll stick around for that. It's kind of a short conference. Gets rolling Wednesday night and it's done uh, mid-afternoon Friday. So definitely, if you're going all the way to Orlando, you should stick around for that, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, and then next week, I will be in D.C. at the National National Behavioral Health Conference speaking on branding. And then May 22nd, speaking at Vishmapur in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, talking about Joe Public doesn't care about your hospital. Just recorded a Shushmid webcast on content marketing which I believe goes live April 30th. Uh, you can purchase it at any time. Uh, we'll provide a link for that. Boy, we got a lot going on. What else? Oh, we got a retreat coming up, the next Joe Public Retreat. Uh, so we've gotten into the habit of doing these twice a year. These are awesome, intimate settings where you come in and you work with a small group uh, to tackle some kind of healthcare marketing change. The last couple have been more about just the idea of transforming your healthcare marketing uh, in general and all the different things that entails. This one's a little bit different structure. Uh, For one, uh, we're going to have kind of two components. The first day is a little larger group. So uh, we're hoping to get it uh, up to 50, but no more than 50 people there for that. Uh, And the second day is limited to just a dozen people. And that is more of the traditional small group setting. And we have a theme which is going vertical with your content marketing, uh, which means how you apply content marketing uh, to replace how you typically go out with your major marketing initiatives, which is promotional advertising campaigns. Uh, So it's going to be a full day on day one of how you make that happen. What's the process? uh, How do you stand out in the market? How do you measure results? How do you overcome the inevitable challenges you will face 
in the organization when you try to make that kind of shift. And then day two, if you're part of day two, you will get a chance to actually dig in a little deeper on your own situation. Uh, so we've got that going too. So that's that's some of the stuff coming up. There's more speaking engagements, but I'm not even going to go there yet. Um, Texas, Wisconsin, potentially Florida again. Uh, a lot of different things coming up. Exciting cool. year. Yeah. Singapore. So uh, we'll see about Singapore. <laughs> I haven't heard back from the folks in Singapore yet, other than they're trying to they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. So that would be really cool. Go to Singapore. Speaking of which, my son just got invited to visit a friend of his who's living in South Korea. Oh, cool! Which would be so cool for a sixteen-year-old, don't you think? Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. Cool, but a little scary to travel to South Korea on your own. Hopefully, there's another friend from over here that will go. Yeah, avoid the ferries for the. Yeah, I know. Lord, a little scary a too. Tragic story. Terrible. Dude, the prime minister of South Korea resigned. Re- that's yeah, a- I saw that. It'd be like George Bush resigning for Katrina, which yeah, maybe you should have. Oh, no, we won't go. There. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Great, great, great job, Brownie. Uh, that's all I remember from that. Uh, okay, so that's enough updates for now. Uh, let's dig into a couple things. We just have two topics, one of which actually is tied to another update. Uh, we are by the time this podcast goes live. Uh, we will have posted yet another article for you to review. I believe it will be out by then. Uh, maybe a chicken or the egg thing, but I, I bet by the time you listen to this podcast, for sure, uh, the article's posted. And the article is actually an advanced excerpt from our new book that's coming out, also in September, which I don't know if I mentioned that. That's when the Joe Public Retreat is. Did I say that? I you did not mention that. the book. I did no. not. Well, no, but I mean, I don't think I mentioned that the retreats the Joe Public Retreat on Content Marketing is in September. Um, but the book is also coming out in September. Mm. And we're very excited about it. It's a follow-up to the Joe Public book, which hopefully all of you have read. Uh, this one's titled Joe Public 2, The Great Paradigm Shift. Uh, subtitled, A Strategic Guide to Digital and Content Marketing for Hospitals and Health Systems. And so uh, it's really a follow-up to that first book, and it's really focused on the paradigm shift we're referring to is moving away from the uh, ubiquitous promotional mass advertising campaign as the number one effort that we put out there uh, to the new paradigm, which is embracing digital marketing, content marketing. And it really is a paradigm shift. It's very significant and painful and taking a long time. So that's what the book is about. And so this article that we were going to put out there this week is uh, an excerpt from one of the chapters, which is how do you build a digital mindset? And the article is about, of course, people who listen to this podcast know that we like to invent new terms, right? Jackie, mm-hmm. I think you were the one who came up with like my favorite, the the left side of the menu marketing. Did I? I think you get I think you get credit for that. Yeah. Cool. I'll take it. I think <laughs> I you should remember that. <laughs> I think you should. Do you ever remember what that's about? Yeah, I do remember what it's about, but do you want to describe what it is, real quick? Because there's probably new listeners that maybe don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> Did I just put you on the spot. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm trying to it's like the, think of which one it is now because there are so it's many. It's the idea that it's the idea that like when you go to to fast food restaurants and if you just purchase from the left side of the menu, which is typically like where all the items are listed, or it used to be. Um, wait, I'm getting it wrong. Right side of the menu is where you get like hamburger, French fries, drink, 
um, and you just kind of pick whatever you want out of there. The left side is where all the value meals are. And obviously, if you buy the same things from the right side as you would from the left side, you're going to pay more for them because you're buying them separately and independently. Uh, and in healthcare marketing, the metaphor is about going out there and doing one tactic off on its own uh, that's not tied to a strategic initiative, that's not tied to a marketing plan. Um, and there's so many different examples of that. Uh, you know, the one that always pops in my mind is the request that we used to get all the time back when we did more of this kind of print advertising stuff. Uh, oh, you know, we've bought the inside cover of the, you know, Minnesota wild, um, program. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We need an ad for that. And it's like, what, what, what for, what's it tied to what, you know, it's just, oh, because that sounded cool. And somebody knows somebody at the Minnesota wild. And so we bought this ad, which, um, you know, isn't as effective as if that's part of some kind of strategic initiative. So mm-hmm. I'm, t- I'm going way off base of where we started this, but that was what left side of the, the menu marking was. This time, I think this is new. I think we've created this, this, this new mindset or this framework of what we call horizontal and vertical efforts with digital marketing. Uh, and this horizontal slash vertical thinking is really uh, – uh, I called it a framework. It's a way to try to put digital marketing in perspective because that's one of the things that we've seen people in our industry who are trying to move from the old paradigm to the new paradigm really struggle with, right? So digital marketing has just exploded over the last five years, let's say. And folks are just overwhelmed with all of this. There are so many – just think about social media channels to start with. Uh, mm-hmm. But all, you know, you expand it to all the other digital channels, all the advertising channels, all the different tools, all the different strategies, all the tactics. It's really hard to understand how to put all of them in perspective. And so, what that leads to is kind of a lot of times a scattershot approach to digital. Uh, it's not strategic. People don't know how to prioritize what they should do, or um, it leads to this idea of what we call doing digital for digital's sake. Uh, mm-hmm. An example of that in my mind is uh, sometimes we hear people like, you know, we should have more videos. We should put some more videos on our on our website or we should, you know, have more videos on our, you know, through social media, which doesn't sound awful. Uh, but it really all what's driving that is the idea that videos are good and cool and there's no strategic reason behind it like – uh, we have a content marketing program focused on cardiology. Wouldn't it be great to have a video series on how to shop for heart healthy food? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's an example. Uh, in this article, uh, we we kind of out we use a different example, which I'll get to in a second. But here's how what horizontal and vertical thinking means in a nutshell. Horizontal is basically applications uh, from digital marketing efforts from digital marketing that are pretty much nonstop ongoing uh you, you have to be pursuing these efforts regardless of whatever your top marketing initiative or initiatives or goals are at the time all right so horizontal efforts uh, the example we use is for search engine marketing all right so that's a that's a particular form of digital marketing and examples of horizontal efforts in, in, in search engine marketing. So things that a lot of organizations should be doing almost continually. Uh, an example would be uh, buying up search terms, uh, keywords related to your key facilities. So if somebody's searching for one of your hospitals, not only does that pop up 
uh, in the natural search, but you have ads uh, directing them to the appropriate place. Mm-hmm. Uh, another example of, of horizontal uh, SEM would be you have some organizations that that uh, pursue what we call competitive blocking. So take the example I just gave, but this time you're buying keywords related to your competitors. So if somebody's searching for a competitor hospital, uh, they're likely going to show up, you know, very high in the in the natural search. But you could, you know, outbid them for the paid search result, the paid ads. So those are examples of uh, strategies or efforts in search engine marketing that that basically you should and and can per- pursue uh, at some level. On an ongoing basis, regardless of whatever else you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, the other way to think about it is vertical, and that's where you know I mentioned before the uh, actually the Shushman podcast I just recorded was called "Going Vertical with Content Marketing." The retreat that we have coming up is based on that, and the idea with vertical is you have some kind of significant strategic marketing initiative or goal. And now you're going to think about what's the best way to accomplish this goal. All right, so a classic example is, let's say in fiscal year 2015, you've been tasked with uh, building cardiology volumes, which, by the way, is not going to go away with reform. That's a whole other rant. Um, And so if you're like most organizations, you might create a a cardiology marketing plan. Uh, You might, uh, you know, have a campaign that goes out uh, to the the market, uh, consumer-oriented campaign to try to drive in cardiology volumes. Here's where you might say, okay, how can digital marketing support our goals and our plan? And one of those ways might be buying or increasing uh, the number of pay-per-click ads that you're that you have uh, related to cardiology, which could be uh, heart health, they could be related to um, procedures or treatments related to heart care, uh, could be both. But you're ramping up your social your search engine marketing to fit with a vertical uh, strategic effort, mm-hmm. all right? So th- the reason why we think this is helpful is it's just a, a, an easy way to think about the two primary ways that you may use digital marketing channels or efforts, uh, which is different than traditional, right? I mean, you don't necessarily have horizontal marketing efforts with a lot of traditional uh, tactics or channels, right? It would sound really weird, at least it does to me, to say, you know, there are 30 billboards in our market. Um, you know, we need to make sure we're always on billboards. You right. know, that would be like a horizontal approach. Makes sense for social media, right? You should always be involved in social media. You always need a website. But do you always need to have billboards? And not unless it supports some kind of strategic goal. So uh, the article gets into detail about how you can use that uh, to help get a grasp on digital marketing. All right, so I just spewed for like 10 minutes. you guys have anything to add to that? <laughs> We're still here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> huh? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a good explanation. So an organizational website would be horizontal then, right? Well, the point is actually that almost any digital marketing strategy or tool can be applied from both a horizontal and a vertical standpoint. So, for example, yes, your organizational website is obviously a horizontal strategy. Mm-hmm. Nobody okay. thinks they can get by without a website. So your website should be designed in a way that it's always working for you, regardless of what your marketing efforts are, regardless of what your top priorities are, right? Uh, because 
it's going to be the number one magnet for almost everything else you're doing in marketing uh, or just in general when people are looking for care, they're going to come to your website. But it can also be thought of in a vertical standpoint, right? So again, one of our top goals for Fiscular 15 is to uh, drive in cardiology volumes. That's what we want to do, surgical volumes, we'll say. How can we leverage our organizational website to support that goal? Mm -hmm. And that's just a different perspective. You kind of swing around and think about your website in a different way. Uh, And so you can kind of see how you can pivot between the two perspectives. Uh, And that applies to almost all of uh, the digital marketing tools and channels that are out there. And it also applies to content marketing. And the book and the the retreat, uh, we'll get into that more. But uh, in this case, we use uh, digital marketing as the example. So does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see if people grasp onto that and it's helpful. Uh, we have found it's helpful with clients who, again, uh, feel like they're you know standing outside in the rain right now, just flooded with all these different things to think about when it comes to digital. And hopefully this allows them a really clean way to think about it. We've got some cool visuals uh, that kind of show it from a graphic standpoint. I don't know if we want to call those yeah. um, infographics. <laughs> uh, no, do we? Not so much. I don't think so. I mean, there's information conveyed in a graphic sense, but people kind of go overboard with that term. Yeah. Yeah, no, but they're, they're helpful. The graphics are. They're charts, basically. So, I don't know. We come, Someday we'll come up with an infographic version of that. <laughs> <laughs> no? You don't want to do that? Yeah, we'll are see. we anti-infographic? I don't think we are. No, no, they have their place. They just are kind of abused for marketing purposes by many circles and sometimes just not mm-hmm. really under, understood. You see something that is is labeled as an infographic, at least in terms of how it's being shared, and then you look at it and it's, you know, in no way is the are the visuals really helping you to understand the data. It's just like, <laughs> you know, some data with some iconic things thrown in. A good infographic should be, you know, it should be taking information and using visuals in a powerful way to help you understand that information. Um, if it's just data with some visuals slapped in floating around it, that's not, that's not helpful. Right. Right. Correct. So we will provide uh, in the notes for the podcast, we'll provide a link to this article. We'll also provide a link to uh, check out information on the new book. Again, it's not coming out till September. If you want to go directly there, it's at thinkinterval.com slash JP2, Roman numeral, I'm sorry, not Roman numeral two. Number two. What would that be called? Digit two. If it's not Roman numeral two, what is that? That's phonetic numeral two? (laughs) The number two. It's a number Number two. two. Let's just go with that. God, could I make that more complicated? Let's make it easy on folks. Who does number two work for? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so anyway uh so we're a ways away from the book being uh published but we love your your feedback on the article itself and um that'll be coming soon and you have a chance at the um on the web page that talks about the book to sign up uh if you want to just if you want to be notified when the book's available for purchase uh we'll shoot you an email so just register there give us your email and we'll let you know when the book's ready mm-hmm. and your firstborn and we need your we need information on your firstborn. That's right. No, just just the actual firstborn. If you don't if you don't have kids, you can't buy the book. <laughs> All right. So one more. Um, this is a little bit fappy, but I think it's fun. Uh, 
<laughs> I was interviewed, this is probably a month ago, by a reporter. His name's David um, Ollier Weber. Uh, and he published a story in Hospitals and Health Networks. It's actually on their website now. I don't know if it'll actually be in the published version. Um, I haven't seen it there yet, but it was published on April 22nd. And it's titled Advertiser Beware. So this story, well, the subhead says, not only do hospitals face ethical issues when they advertise, but the evidence is sketchy that mass advertisements are worth their cost. So you can imagine what my uh, input on this was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the story is really interesting because it kind of starts off with, like it says in the subhead, uh, the ethical side of advertising. From a couple different standpoints, uh, one is the the idea of misleading people, and it and it, and it kind of kicks off with a, a very f- infamous um, episode that happened from the University of Illinois, where they were kind of I don't know the best way to put it, but they were called out for promoting their Da Vinci robot <clears throat> by mm-hmm. New York Times Magazine, or no, that's where the ad appeared, uh, but the but Paul Levy, who is the ex-CEO of Boston's Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and the publisher of a, of a blog called Not Running a Hospital, he really called them out and it got in the news and they actually had to retract the ad because basically what he found was, uh, one, you're promoting um, robotic surgery in a way uh, you're claiming benefits for it that aren't proven at all. There's no research that supports the benefits that you're promoting. Um, and two, the imagery you're using is provided by the manufacturer, which breaks some ethical rules um, and that type of thing. So it starts with that, and you kind of hear from people that, that have similar beliefs. Uh, you you get a really nice breakdown, and Jackie, you said this is interesting to you. It was for me, mm-hmm. for sure, about how hospitals moved from a place like um, the 50s and 60s where it was completely frowned upon, if not banned, to promote yourself as a doctor or a hospital to basically the eighties and nineties where, you know, uh, the Supreme court, I guess in 1982, this is, I had no idea about this. Um, yeah, me either. Basically upheld a ruling saying, look, uh, this is a market and you cannot stop, uh, healthcare providers from promoting themselves. You know, it's a, it's a first amendment kind of thing. Um, and so that kind of let the cat out of the bag. Uh, and so then it goes into, um, you know, even if it's allowed and ethical, uh, is it smart? And that's where he caught me on a, I must have had like a pot of coffee in me because I <laughs> go off. I mean, I go off in a way that I've gone off before, so it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. But he uses some, he uses some um, descriptive verbs, scoffs. Is one I scoffed apparently, uh, freaking. I must have said freaking. Uh, That's nice. I said it's notorious, notoriously difficult to measure the impact of the ubiquitous brand campaigns that are all about awareness and perception building and have no freaking call to action. I'm sure if I had a media like a media advisor, they'd be like, okay, we need to eliminate the use of the word freaking. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, so what did you guys think of the the article? I know, I know, Jackie for sure. I know you read it all the way through. I don't know if Adam, you got through all of it, but no, I I enjoyed it because I I thought the background and the history was really fascinating. I didn't know any of that. Um, yeah, I thought it was very good. I think people should read it. Maybe 
I mean, you all know how Chris feels about these things, but just for the history part of it too, I thought it was it was worth the read. No, now I now I'm even more intrigued to get in there and read it because uh, we were we were changing up our agenda this morning, and I hadn't uh, we that that one was added in, and I hadn't had a chance to get in there and read it yet. So I will and will provide my two cents afterward. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It says it may be surprising to reflect that not until 1977. Did the American Hospital Association countenance advertising by its members? But the organization counseled against, quote, self-aggrandizement of one hospital at the expense of another, warned that, quote, quality comparisons, either direct or by implication, may be counterproductive, unquote, and tut-tutted that, quote, claims of being the best, oh, this is awesome, claims of being the best or the most efficient are always open to criticism and should be avoided. So um, <laughs> the, the FTC weighed in and said, hey, you can't, prevent your or your members from doing that the ama then challenged the ftc's ruling and that's where the supreme court said no um the ftc is right uh you can't do that so advertising to help maintain or attempt to increase market share for specific services and programs is acceptable which the aha began allowing you know 1990 so anyway uh that's an interesting story and it's it's beat. I'm beating a dead horse, at least for me, uh, in here. <laughs> but that's but okay. People still need to we'll hear post it. A, a, yeah. Well, no, I know it has to be. It has to be beaten all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a dead horse. It keeps. It's like a zombie horse. It keeps coming back to life. <laughs> Maybe I need to shoot it in the head instead of beating it because it's never going to go away. It's always going to be there. I would assume. What? <laughs> Shoot it in the head instead of beat it. It's just like <laughs> so dire. Well, it's already it's dead. Th- it's already so, dead, but. You shoot it just, anywhere you let's want, just I guess. really take care of this here. <laughs> yeah, well, you just have to keep, you just have to keep spending, you know, sending the message. There's, it's interesting because there's really no comments on this. Um, there's one comment um, by Bill Stiles. So I don't know who Bill Stiles is. But he's again, apparently uh, academic or smart because he starts off by saying there is a pole- polemical sleight of hand going on here. What's that mean? Does anybody know? I don't know. I'm going to Google Polemical. P-O-L-E-M-I-C-A-L. Polemical. It sounds cool. I'm an educated man, and I don't know what that is. So, Polemical. Um, of relating to or involving strongly critical, controversial, or disputatious writing or, or speech. All right, now let's Google disputatious. <laughs> so he says there's a polemical slide event. So I think he's defending hospital advertising. Hospitals and doctors comprising their compromising their integrity by endorsing products is very different than using advertising as thoughtful, intentional, and appropriate element of marketing strategy. Totally agree. The amounts invested by health systems in advertising pale in comparison to other industries. I agree with that too, but that's not a defense of ineffective use of your marketing dollars. Right. In fact, the lack of effectiveness for many healthcare marketers is linked to the fact they spend too little to implement a fully engaged marketing program and rely too much on advertising to do the heavy lifting. Hallelujah. So Bill Stiles and I are of one. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever Bill Stiles is. (laughs) There are some misguided advertising out there, but the solution is not a magical mystery return to the good old days, which is true because um, the part about whether it's effective or not starts off by a 
you know, this author should know better than to use a, well, I guess he's probably, he doesn't cite the name of the, the blog writer, but the quote is, the decline of medicine as a profession began when it became legal for doctors and hospitals to advertise grumped skeptical scalpel md in a recent <laughs> post on his wily red doctor blog of the same name so i'm assuming that doesn't it astound you that the article does not say who skeptical scalpel md actually is yeah, in is this article bizarre. you shouldn't have to go to his blog to find out who he is it's cool to use his name skeptical scalpel but it should be like ak you know john doe but that's a that statement makes me laugh he's clearly a doctor once again we're back to the doctors who want to blame everybody but themselves for their own behavior the decline of medicine as a profession began when it became legal for doctors yep that's it as soon as you're allowed to advertise (laughs) things went downhill it was all over it's all over skeptical scalpel i do have to give him credit for his name yeah and luckily the the reporter says although hardly willing to go that far Chris Bevelo agrees that hospitals are mostly misguided when they indulge in a selfie like UI's health mass media boasts of his Da Vinci prowess. Nice writing, though. Colorful. Mm-hmm. Doesn't use polemic, but <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. So there you go. Anything lot else to digest. A lot to digest, yes. It's a full meal. You may get heartburn. If you experience heartburn after digesting this podcast. Yeah, no fun stuff in here. Just, I mean, not no not fun. You know what I mean. What do you mean? Well, what do you want to talk about that's fun? <laughs> well, it's just really heavy on the, it was heartburn he- inducing in a good way. Heavy on the marketing expertise? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come on, okay. throw something throw something fun in there. You got five seconds to come up with something fun and then we'll talk about it. Oh man, no pressure. Come on, fun. It's Monday. I can't be fun. Oh, come on. Did you see a movie or TV show or something, Adam? Uh, well, we already talked about Game of Thrones last <laughs> week, so we can't dig into that <laughs> one again. No. Silicon Valley, great show, great new I show. I still have to watch it. I have, I'm looking forward to catching to watching the first episode and it's very assessing, good. assessing it. I'm sure I'll like it. I've heard nothing but good things so far from the people I follow. Fargo, you, anybody? Fargo's really good. The movie? No, the TV the t- show. Yeah, oh, I want to start watching that. What channel yeah. is that on? FX, and it stars um, uh, Billy Bob Thornton. It's not the same story. It's the same setting and the same kind of characters. Hmm. Uh, and it says it starts by saying it's based on a true story, which I... Wasn't the movie Fargo kind of based on a true story, too? God, I hope not. No, I think it was. Was huh. it? I think so. That's I could be creepy. wrong about that, but I think it was. But yeah, it's really well done. I saw the premiere, which was like an hour and a half. Yes, I want to start watching Checking that one. I don't My know husband's if I get from Fargo, the... so. Well, it actually yeah. takes place in Bemidji. Bemidji, Boo. yeah. You betcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, have you guys seen the show Inside Amy Schumer? Uh, hello? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> She's a comedian. I believe it's on Comedy Central. Yeah, and I saw something posted that was like, this is hilarious. It was, she like did Aaron Sorkin in a fast food thing. Oh, yeah. That, and it was, that was on the show last hilarious. night. It was hilarious. It was okay. 
It was okay, but there was another skit in the show we watched last night that was pretty good. She's kind of funny. She's really quite crass, so you have to fully embrace that, which I feel like we all might. (laughs) (laughs) I have no problem with crass. I'm not, would I know her? Would I know her if I saw her? No. Is she like a stand-up comedian or what? She is a stand-up comedian. I didn't know her before the show. But apparently hmm. she's she's got some big names that come on her show. Not big names, but you'd recognize these people. Like the one you mentioned, Chris. Yeah. So, anyways, it's kind of funny. There's my little addition for the day. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Let's talk about one thing before we get off the air. Um I think I'm the only person that's not excited about Stephen Colbert moving to the Late Show. Uh, I am. I am of mixed feelings on that. I, I. I think it'll be cool. I just hope that he continues to be Stephen Colbert, you know, versus like being. But that's what the problem you know, is, David Letterman. He's going to be Stephen yeah. Colbert instead of that's the what fake I want. persona. No, but his show now is not Stephen Colbert's show. Well, now is fake yeah, persona. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, because his fake persona is kind of what I mean. From his John Stewart days to his own show days, that was always kind of like his thing. So I don't know. I guess I'll give, no. him, give him a chance to see. To me, yeah. No, I mean the the show, the Stephen Colbert Report, is a character, and that's what he, I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, but he didn't do that before. He was just sarcastic. <laughs> he was like Steve Carell on the Today Show. Well, the, I John guess. Stewart show. He was still. I mean, he was still. Uh, uh, Sarcastic, uh, sarcastic and, character. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly his John Stewart character to his Stephen Colbert character. There's not a big. I mean, they're both just sarcastic, and there's Dude, not a big difference no. between them. Have you seen totally. the Colbert show? The Colbert show. Yes, is, I've watched. He's it quite playing a bit several times. He's playing Bill O'Reilly or Sean Hannity. He's playing a right wing yes t- talk show host. That's a yeah. different character than well, I'm, what he, well, he's going to do now, right? I guess yes, but I'm, t- I'm my my point is the sarcasm. And the right. wit, well, and just the way he is, the way he carries himself. Either way, I mean, if he's going to just become David Letterman, a dude who's kind of funny and interviews people, yes. I don't know. I don't know if he'll be. He'll, he, that's a big departure from what he's been in the past, and yes. I just don't know mm-hmm. that it'll be. You know right. what I totally. what I like from him. Totally agree. I mean, I think he can pull it off, and if he if he does, it'll be just the way you're describing it. What I'm sad about is I don't think there's anything funnier than the character he plays now on the Colbert Show. And he won't play that character. He can't. Right. He, he's not. He's not taking that stick and bring it to the Late Show, right? Right. Right. He can bring himself to the Late Show, and that may be just fine. But there's nothing funnier to me than what he does now. So I'm, I'm having a hard time imagining it's going to be better. Right. Uh, that's one. And the second is we now lose that character. Yeah. Which is that character is so important to me. Yeah. Because he he just calls out. Of course, we're giving away a little bit of our political bent here, but he calls out so much of what is inane about that machine, the Bill O'Reilly, mm-hmm. Sean Hannity um, machine. He just completely skewers them better than even Jon Stewart um, with that character. And now that's gone. And that's really, that's a huge vacuum and I'm sad. So I don't know. That's you're right. I think he can be as he can be funny if he sticks to. We do not want him to become David Letterman or God forbid Jay Leno, soft right. milk toast nonsense. Um, <laughs> but like Jimmy Fallon, who is still Jimmy Fallon, yeah. if he sticks to who he is, mm-hmm. um, his personality, he'll still be funny. But that still won't replace what's missing. Right. Yeah. Yep. We'll anyway. see. We'll see. 
I mean, he, I think he can still, yeah. I mean, the, the biggest, the biggest disappointment is the loss of, of that, of that. Um, but if he can, you know, retain his sarcasm and his sense of humor and his wit, then hopefully, um, you know, he'll, it'll still be entertaining nonetheless. Yeah. Well, it'll probably be, I don't know. I'm not a David Letterman fan. I don't watch any of those late shows anymore. Even Jimmy Fallon, who I adore, just don't watch it. Yeah, so. it's tough. It's tough to make that a part of your, I mean, it kind of has to be almost like a part of your nightly routine to just, you know, it's that time, yes. turn it on. For me, it's on in the background sometimes. Um, but yeah, definitely not a part of my, it's been a long time since a, a, a night, a late night show has been a part of my actual routine. Yeah, for sure. Jackie, we just, as we used to, this is like a, this is like a blast from the past where Adam and I actually agreed, but we argue in the beginning because we're not listening to each other and we completely drown you out and then you don't get a chance to weigh in. So you just argue we, for the sake of arguing. Well, That's we like it. to do that. We like to do that. And I think in the, we really were trying to say the same thing. It's just, it's more fun to argue sometimes. So it's okay. We came full circle. And what's your feeling? Do you have any feeling, any opinion? Are you void of Yeah, feeling? but I'll, I'll spare everyone. No, I'm <laughs> Did you ever watch the Colbert show? I've seen it. I've never really watched. I, I like Stephen Colbert and I like Jon Stewart, but I've never really watched their television shows religiously, but I really appreciate those two. So it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. Well, they, they're news for a, 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 you know, a big yeah. part of our generations. I mean, that's where yeah, they are. You get, you know, on for better or worse, uh, uh, an actual sense of what's going on from somebody who's, you know, has has certainly has an agenda, but isn't like masking it. Where where you know from all the other right. ways you get that media, it's it's masked and it's 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 presented to you with this with a certain angle that you that's not that's that's not transparent. You know, it's entirely transparent there, and I I I, I value that and I appreciate that. Doesn't mean that I even always necessarily agree with everything, but you know, I love the, mm-hmm. I love that it's presented the way that it's presented. So, yeah, it's, it's presented. It's, it's it mean again, maybe not everybody feels this way, but I think it's presented just like you said, as transparent how they they're thinking. But it's also there's objectivity in it, and maybe that's mm-hmm. maybe I can't say that you can't say like, hey, their their angle is transparent yet it's objective. Maybe that's part of what feels objective is that they call out things that. You know, there's certain things you throw on the table and the left will say this and the right will say this no matter what. And they, while they probably both lean more to the left, they tend to try to look at it more objectively, put it in perspective. Um, but, I mean, I'm sure people on the right would say BS oh, yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, which I've, is fine. It's great when you get something. I, I, what I love about that, it, when, you, when you just know that it's being presented to you from an angle, it like to me it feels like it kind of pushes you to – understand the big picture and maybe try to get some understand it from both perspectives from the other perspective. Um, you know, I kind of, I think another, another something similar to that is, you know, my wife is a nurse um, uh, and in working in a union environment, not necessarily by choice, but um, kind of has to be around here because that's how they all are. Um, you know, we get these union newsletters and magazines to our house all the time. And it's just, I, I like to flip them open and read them because it's just, my God, if there if there's something that's just ob- clearly written to a certain angle, I mean that that is that is it because you read through some, and there are times where I find myself just at times where I'm like, yeah, you know, I agree with that. And other, most of the time, I'm like, good God, you mean it's just like 
I, I couldn't imagine getting something in my post, in my mailbox, um, you know, a couple times a month that is just encouraging me and driving me to hate my employer. Because <laughs> that's what these things are. You mean my my morning emails don't do that? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean it's just it's just, it's it's clearly like written to a you know to a, a side. And, and it, you know, when you, I feel like when you only get one side, at least for me anyway, it encourages you to want to try to understand the other side. Cause it's like, I know I'm not getting it from that side here, obviously. And when you're, when you're getting stuff that's, you know, supposed to be from a neutral party, like so much of our mainstream media is supposed to be, um, you know, it's hard to know, like, well, what, you know, how are you presenting this to me? You know, is it truly neutral or, you know, what's, what, what angle are you coming at it from here? What, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> all right well now we've so, really gone long yeah now we're yeah. at like 42 minutes whoa it's all right just a little added bonus mm-hmm. a little pop culture a little pop culture at the end we like to fit that in yeah that's who we good. are a little diversity yeah all right so should we sign off let's do it all mm-hmm. right so for the arrogant healthcare marketing bastards this is chris bevelo jackie olson And Adam Meyer. Talk to you next week.